Team Talk on 1017 The Team. Two balls, two strikes. The pitch. Swung on and a looper into right field. Mookie Betts is going to have to play it on a hop. Throw to the plate. And Renfro scores and the Brewers win. An uncharacteristically not good throw from Mookie Betts. On contact, Renfro took off from second base. That ball looped into right field. McCutcheon scored to tie it. And Renfro right behind him came in. And the Brewers pulled victory out of the jaws of defeat. There you go. Uh, You can't win them all, Sam. And the Dodgers falling last night to a very hungry Brewers team. Uh, five to four in eleven innings. Um, opportunities went both ways in last night's game. Dodgers looked like they were in control, and then you know it all fell apart there in the eleventh inning. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, we'll talk about that more. A uh, blown save and a loss for the Dodgers out of their bullpen. We're here though till six, and then we've got we are the home for the Cowboys, Dodgers, and United. And United has a really big uh, match tonight over at the Lab. Seven o'clock is the Kickoff, um, 6 o'clock is the pregame show right here on 101.7 The Team. Adam Deal and Andy Hageman will get you ready. Uh, United right now in fourth place in the table in the Western Conference. In the Eastern Conference, Memphis 901 FC comes to town, and they're currently in second place. So a very, very stern test for United tonight. But you heard when we came on the air that highlight from the Dodgers game. So quite a bit to talk about with regard to that Dodgers Brewers game last night. Oh, it was it it had a little bit of everything which, you know, for any kind of one out of 162, like you said, you, you can't win them all, but just in terms of keeping everybody engaged, it's a Tuesday night in Milwaukee. I'd say from that standpoint, everybody did pretty good. Obviously, you'd want the Dodgers to win, but at least it, it gave us enough to talk about from one game, whether it was about Chris Taylor or Craig Kimbrell, whoever it was, it was still an incredibly entertaining game. It, it was. It was. And, you you know, let's just get to it, though. It was a blown save, an opportunity for uh, the Dodgers to take the first two games of the series against Milwaukee. And uh, that Blown save by Kimbrell had Dave uh, Roberts talking about that and his support for his closer. Kimbrell, that you're not really considering a change in, in his no, role. No, no, no. I, I thought Craig threw the baseball just fine tonight. Is that getting harder to kind of justify even when, you know, kind of regardless of how he's throwing the results, just seem to like still not be there for him? Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and I think that's some of the, the noise that I have to um, drown out and, uh, you know, see how the ball's coming out see the execution uh you know the command is considerably better tonight he was striking the breaking ball um yeah the result is not what any of us wanted but i'm I'm not going to just go by you know results alone if i believe that the stuff is good um the process is good and that's why he's a manager. You know, he he really is. But he's going to be continually asked, especially with so many other members of the bullpen pitching so well, you know, how long is he going to stick with Kimbrell as the closer? And uh, obviously, with all this uh, cushion on the rest of the division, if you were going to work somebody in, this could literally be a good time to do so. Except it sounds like Roberts is still committed to Kimbrell, and why not? I mean, it has not been a, a very good sample size with the Dodgers, but it's small in comparison to what he's done over his career. It is, and really, 
closer by committee is not going to get anybody feeling great. Like, no. it, it's not really a, a win-win situation. He's just going to do what he does best, Dave Roberts, and that's have his smile on and be Mr. Happy, Mr. Positive, and, eh, you know, off-speed stuff was working good tonight. He didn't do the scarecrow, so at least it wasn't, you know, this intimidating, in air quotes, pitcher who's blowing all these saves and losing us these games. So at least there, at least he's got that going for him that maybe he's listening to the show and shaking off that stuff until he actually puts a couple of saves together in a row to bring that back. What are you going to do? And also, I think the noise that that Roberts is talking about, not only from the media and stuff, but but just like the quote-unquote noise that he sees with regard to the results of Kimbrell. Um, he, he knows that his ERA is four and a half plus. Uh, he knows that he's not nearly striking out as many players as he was in the past. But he looks at things, and I, I believe him, because he could pivot from this situation with Kimbrell but he looks at things like we don't look at things. The way that the ball is, you know, popping on the mitt. You know, he's having discussions with Will Smith and the catchers, uh, Austin Barnes. You know, they they're wanting to know is this stuff good? Because sometimes even good stuff gets hit, and I think that's the way that Roberts is looking at it right now. And how long he can hang on to that, who knows? But in his mind, he thinks that. The, the, these guys are just making, you know, having good at bats against. Him. And right now is the operative part of it because as we've been talking about some of these pitching names of guys that are hurt and are coming back, Dustin May's coming back pretty soon, Clayton Kershaw hopefully comes back eventually, Walker Bueller is done for the season. The name that we haven't talked about in a little while since he first went on the injured list is Bruce Dark Gratterall. And he's not available right now. It looks like he should be available to come back here pretty soon. So there really isn't a true. Plan B right now, and and hey, Gratterall, uh, he's is the guy that I told you that I had my volume off on my TV and saw this guy like throwing effortlessly, and it was hitting one hundred and one. And I'm like, is this is there something wrong? And I had to finally kind of look closer because they were showing you know him pitching. This is like last year, I think. No, um, he is a guy that I I think his stuff is closer worthy but I don't think his control is worthy closer worthy and, and they, they got some be. craftier guys I think in setup men and and even you know you never know David Price if he keeps being filthy you know and they, and they get to that point he'll be in consideration for that I think that. this is 9 in a row 9 outings in a row for Price now without a run I mean I some of them have been less than an inning but he went a full inning last night and and he's on a roll the whole bullpen before Kimbrell was hit, was going no-hit ball. Yeah, yeah, all right. So it, it wasn't all about Kimbrell, but it was a, there was a couple of other things in the game where uh, Dodger fans had reason uh, for, to, to cheer, for sure. And that's Joey Gallo, again, uh, goes yard, the big um, guy they got in the trade with the Yankees. Anytime Joey Gallo goes yard, I want to hear it. Gallo swings and he hits a deep drive to right field. It is back and it is gone. A home run. Joey Gallo, his third home run with the Dodgers, his 15th of the year. He hits a laser beam out into the right field seats. Dodgers on the board. It's 2-1. to one. There you go. So, you know, we talk about these role players. And Joey Gallo is a role player, okay? Some people 
thought of Chris Taylor as a role player until he, I think, was the National League Divisional Series MVP a couple years ago or something. But, yeah, he's not a role player anymore. He's an integral part of of what the Dodgers are doing. He gets a home run last night himself. Taylor swings, and he hits a ball deep to right field. Headed back, McCutcheon. He looks up. It's gone into the bullpen. A tie game. Chris Taylor, with his eighth home run of the season, has tied it in the seventh. An opposite field home run for Chris Taylor that traveled 395 feet. Well, talk about clutch, and that was a clutch home run to get the game to 3-3, three to three, but that's nothing as compared to the play that he made defensively in the bottom of the 10th because basically it was do or die at that situation. He's playing center field. They're giving Bellinger a rest, and a ball is hit into left center that everybody in the place thought was going to be a walk-off double or whatever they were going to give him. That not the case, Taylor. And the 1-1 pitch. McCutcheon hits a fly ball, center field on the run is Taylor. He dives, and he makes an unbelievable catch. Oh, what a play by Chris Taylor. Absolutely remarkable. A diving catch toward the warning track, and he saves the game. Chris Taylor, absolutely sensational. Yeah, I had to look it up. It was only his ninth game in center field. He's usually in left field, but with Bellinger moving around, I, I apologize. I can't remember if it was on the telecast or, or the radio cast or the radio broadcast we had here on the station last night, but it is about that time where Bellinger's going to get a couple of days off. He's been in one of these hitting slumps, and so as we, t- you know, uh, Monday night it was Gavin Lux. Last night it was Joey Gallo. There's going to be guys to fill in these positions, and then Chris Taylor is is always just around. This kind of feels like it's it's the breakout time for Chris Taylor because he's oh he's been there as you know this this nice player this you know guy who's in the middle of the lineup, but he's capitalizing on these opportunities. And then as we're talking about the closing situation, one of the things I know you were keeping your eye on, especially now we're you know we're watching the Brewers with them playing the Dodgers, is Dod- uh, Justin Turner drives in a run in the top of the eleventh. And there's no hater to go to because he's gone. So they took advantage of that. Yeah, that not, no hater there is going to change the complexion of the way that the Brewers are in every game throughout the year because you almost have to have a strategy in place to try to get the lead before you get into the seventh or eighth inning against the Brewers when Hater was there. Now he's with San Diego. And the Brewers don't have that in their bullpen. And uh, they were able to get a, a good win against the Dodgers last night. And, um, you know, that's the way it goes. Like I said, you can't win them all. All right. Well, Dennis Eckersley, uh, the former great, great pitcher with the, the Red Sox. And then most remember him with the Oakland A's. And he was in other places as well. I remember him uh, with the A's. He's the one that gave up the home run to Kirk Gibson, uh, the famous home run to Kirk Gibson. So he's calling baseball for the Red Sox, and they're playing against the Pirates. Talk to me about this. Yeah, they're playing the Pirates yesterday. Dennis Eckersley is doing the color on Nesson on the the Red Sox regional TV network, and they're playing the Pirates. And I mean, the Red Sox, I mean, they're doing a little better. Not that they have much room to talk about how other teams are struggling, but Dennis Eckersley decided to use this as an opportunity, and maybe it's just because they're not that interested in playing the Pirates, but he used this to just drag Pittsburgh through the mud in a way that felt a little unnecessary. You talk about a no-name lineup. There's no team like this. Love to see some of the service time you add it all up. It's not much. 
You know, just came from Kansas City seeing all those young kids. That's this is different, though. Doesn't it seem different? Did they have a lot of prospects they're playing over there? And, this and serious prospects. Yes, the guys who are going to be in the big leagues. This is a hodgepodge of nothingness. They have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. Last year, they were actually thirtieth. It's ridiculous. It really is pathetic. Former Sox GM Ben Charrington is the Pirates' general manager, and he has gone about rebuilding their farm system. Yeah, tell me they have a great farm system. Tell me they do. That's what they're doing, I assume. Trying. A pathetic hodgepodge of nothingness, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't think it's that unreasonable for them to, like, talk about how their lineup is unrecognizable let's face it you know in terms of their name brands but to go to that you know point of of that the whole thing is a hodgepodge uh, you know is is pretty pretty brutal well and, and if you want to have it as a larger conversation of you know look this is not good for baseball this is not what baseball needs right now of a team that's just putting guys out there that aren't recognizable you're not giving your fans in Pittsburgh a reason to come to the games you're not giving people a reason to to follow along to get excited like if you want to have a bigger conversation there's one that needs to be had and that goes back to some of the things that that Rob Manford needs to clean up and you know keep working on with baseball but to, but just to go hodgepodge of nothingness without a point is is kind of which which is what caught my attention. And I agree. Yeah, that seemed pretty harsh and then, you know, he went and made a mention of the former uh up front office guy of the Red Sox is now the GM of the Pirates. Yeah, Ben Sherrington. And he's he's the one that's trying to pull the strings here and you know, who knows? I mean, every, maybe they're they're on the plan of the Baltimore Orioles because like that's what we saw out of the Orioles, but it was like the last Eight or ten years, we saw it out of the Orioles almost, uh, and now are they see, seeing some of the benefits of the investment in their farm system? Well, and that too. Then, if you know, if you're the Pirates broadcaster, even if you're those guys, like man, the Orioles, yeah, the Orioles are making them look bad. I mean, look what Baltimore is finally doing this year. I mean, you guys, you guys can think if they can figure it out, you guys certainly can. It, it is such a such a difference between the haves and haves nots more in, in baseball than there is in any other you know of the of the big three sports. Let's face it. Oh no, it, th- it, there really is. But I, I mean, and we always talk about the the lineup we have with the Dodgers being on the radio station, and then of course we pick up some Yankee games and stuff. I mean, if you look at the payroll, they have you know individual players on each of their teams, a number of them, I'm sure. Oh yeah, that are making more money than the entire organ. You know, all the players on the on the Pirates uh, combined. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some of these guys that are probably, you know, like Juan Soto and some of these ridiculous contracts are probably worth more than, than you know, some of these minority owners in the team or whatever it is. Yeah, you know, the, the disparity is there. No question. But, you know, it's funny. Even with the Orioles, you see what Baltimore is doing this year where they, they're, they're keeping themselves in the mix in the American League wild card. And some of the talk around there was, gee, imagine if they kept Trey Mancini. Maybe we'd actually be having a different conversation. But that, that's what this comes down to. And look, the Pirates do deserve criticism. The Pirates, the Orioles, not not now, but I mean, what they were doing before. These teams absolutely deserve criticism. So, Dude, the Rockies are in that. I mean, the oh, Rockies are 30-plus games. I mean, it's one thing to be chasing the team with the best record in baseball, the Dodgers, but, you know, you could throw the, the Rockies in there, the Diamondbacks. And it's self you know, and, and especially with the, the Rockies. A's? Yeah, especially, yeah, with, with these teams that are at the bottom, bottom. 
the A's with the the stadium being broken down, the Rockies and just sending guys away, and the Orioles and having two dollars seat nights in September just to get to the end of the season, like that that's where that conversation is absolutely warranted from from Eck is that the, these teams that are in that position just stop trying, and it's not even it's not even an opinion, it's not even something that not they the even players. try to hide. You're the talking players, about the organizations, the organizations, yes, they, they do this on purpose because otherwise, you know, what's the point? We're just going to get to the end of the season, get high draft picks and try to make this a multi-year process so there really is a conversation to be had but I, I mean honestly I get you know I give him a props for for dropping hodgepodge on a professional uh professional sporting broadcast it was just it was it was it was harsh just the way that he did it was harsh